Hey everyone, welcome to the Lightmaker Podcast. This is a carefully curated collection of interviews with heart-centered changemakers and spiritual entrepreneurs designed to ignite your inner light and guide you in creating a life that lights you up. I'm your host, Cassandra Bodzak, and today I have one of my dear friends with us, Nitika Chopra, and she is an inspiring talk show host, a beauty and lifestyle expert, a self-love guru, a spicy Indian woman, which I love, and a soul sister of mine and of many, um, many others. So it's a pleasure to have you here. Love, welcome. Yay! We're just gonna laugh the entire time. Pretty much, this Everyone is going to be warned. <laughs> so pretty much, this is like you sitting in on a session of us hanging out. Yes. <laughs> well, one of the things I want I want you to share with the audience is something that I only found out about you. Um, I want to say recently, but recently being maybe like a year or so ago, where um, you actually have a pretty incredible journey, and um, and I don't think a lot of people, perhaps that you know, maybe see your social media now, see the like bright, bubbly, self loving presence that you are, realize that. And I think it's really powerful to actually hear about you know where you came from and and how you cultivated that. So you want to take us back back into your teenage years for a minute? God, okay, but only if we only stay there for. Okay. <laughs> Um, Yes, I'm happy to. Um, So yeah, so I guess what you're referring to is when I was 10, I was diagnosed with psoriasis. And psoriasis is a super common skin condition. Millions and millions of people have it. And a lot of people who have it, it's not very debilitating. It's maybe irritating, but people would not say that it's debilitating for sure. And I had it from the tip of my foot to the tip of my head. So for me, it was debilitating. And um, you know when your lips like crack and bleed because they're so chapped in the winter? Yeah. Well, my entire body was like that. So it was pretty crazy. It was pretty intense. And then when I was 19, I developed something called psoriatic arthritis, which is arthritis connected to the fact that I have psoriasis. So it kind of was a shitstorm, to be honest with you, of a lot of health stuff. And, you know, I can laugh about it now and be light about it, you know, and I make like kind of silly jokes to lighten the the heavy intensity of the energy around health and sickness and all that kind of stuff sometimes. But, you know, to be honest, it was a really tough time. I woke up many mornings in a lot of despair not understanding why I looked the way that I looked. And I looked around and especially my mom and even my grandmother and my aunts and uncles, like everyone was so beautiful. And, you know, the women in my family all had this like beautiful hair and they were all like just glowing in their skin. I remember I used to come home from school and I would like literally just like touch my mom's arm for like an hour because I just like didn't understand like why hers felt like so soft And mine was like scaly and bleeding and scabby and all this crazy stuff. So there was that part of it for sure. And the things that came out of it were just the realization that, you know, all of that was teaching me so much along the way. It taught me how to have compassion for other people. It taught me to not judge a book by its cover. People judged me based on what I looked like every day. And then as soon as I became healthy, 
everyone was like, wait a second, like, who's this? And I'm like, I've been here the whole time, people. <laughs> like, I have not changed, you know? So it, it pushed me to see that in other people. Um, and it also, it made me so hyper aware of my body. So as much as it's hard to get in my body sometimes, because I think in our society, especially, you know, we live in New York, well, you live in New York now, but you're not going to be here forever. (laughs) I'm not even going to talk about that right now. But anyway, so for me in New York, um, you know, we're just so up here, so in our head, so go, go, go. And it can take something to get in your body. But for me, my body was always talking to me. And I believe that everyone's body is always talking to them, you know, obviously. But it was like mine was screaming at me. It wasn't just like whispering. And I think most people get whispers from their body, but they can ignore them more easily until they can't. Mm. For me, it was about like 16 years of... Like, you cannot ignore me. <laughs> like, you know, my body was like, wake up, woman. You know, it was just like crazy. So, um, so, yeah. So that was like a huge part of my journey. And then that, you know, coupled with the fact that I always loved to perform. I loved singing. I loved acting. All that kind of stuff. Um, I was always trying to figure out where to, where to bridge that gap of like, okay, I've learned so much from my physical and eventually spiritual journey with my body. Um, how do I bridge that with like my love of performance and all of that? So that was like, that was about 16 years of my life. Wow. So, so at what point once everything started kind of clearing up and, and things were looking up that you kind of start figuring out what your, what your path was and how you were going to go about that? Well, um, to answer that, I'd have to start with, I used to be, um, I was always actually seeking what I was going to do once I started to get healthy, actually, that's, that's really when it happened. So I was, uh, you know, dealing with my health on a daily basis, I will say from the age of 10 to 25. And then, um, at 25, I hit one of my many (laughs) rock bottoms and I ended up taking a medication that really helped coupled with Ayurvedic treatment, coupled with therapy, coupled with all the mind, body, spirit stuff. And I finally was like skipping down the street, um, from not being able to walk. I I wasn't able to walk without severe pain for about four years. So it was a huge drastic change. And when that happened, I started to feel my purpose. I didn't even know that I had a purpose really until then. When I was younger, I had inklings that my health was not about me. Ooh. And I I still don't know how the hell I came up with that one, but like I really felt that it it was a loud voice from God for a very 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 long time. And it was my anchor. So I felt that, but I, there weren't like, you know, our girl Gabby and us and whoever, there weren't people doing what we're doing now as much. So I never thought that I could create something from this out of nothing. 
So I just kind of, when I was 25, I started my first couple of jobs and I was the girl who cried entrepreneur is what I would <laughs> say. You know, I, I kind of like, I, I, I skipped from thing to thing. I would call my parents who were living in Hong Kong at the time and I would be like, hey guys, like I came up with this really great invention and I'm going to do this thing and I bought the business cards. That's the thing. I would buy all the accessories for my dreams. Okay, I'm really big on accessories. I love it. Accessories for my dreams and I would have the URL and I would like, you know, create, I'd have a designer create a brochure and then like two weeks later be like, mom and dad, you know, I was thinking and I don't think I'm actually going to cure the world of psoriasis. So maybe I should put that dream down. You know what I mean? It was just constant. And then I met Gabby Bernstein actually. And that was like when I was 26, 27 and she was still just us eight girls in her apartment. This is before her first book. And it was a very, very beautiful, magical, special time. And it still holds a very sweet, sweet place in my heart. And, uh, you know, long story short, I, I learned that, that we all have this seed of purpose inside of us. And I learned that that kind of overwhelming desire to, like, go after my dreams was not just from me. It was also from God. And I just kind of chipped away at that for, for a few years. And I started my company um, in, when I was 28. So I'm 34 now. So it's been a little bit. I don't know if that answered your question at all, but that's my story. <laughs> well, I like it. And I like, the, I like the fact that you were, you know, there was a little bit of a gap between, oh, yeah. you know, when you, because I think a lot of people um, had this, you know, kind of, illusion that things happen like this that it's all you know it happens overnight and I think you know my experience your experience even get like Gabby's experience just talking yeah. to her you know this stuff took years to really you know slowly like you say like slowly chip away at and slowly following those little inclinations and I think that's so important for people to know yeah yeah I mean and you know it's still it's still that it's still that, like every day. I mean, I talk to you about this, you know, just as friends, like we're always talking like, you know, okay, so I got a talk show, which was like the dream beyond dream beyond dream. Every freaking day that I knew that I wanted to talk show, I was like, I'm going to get a talk show one day. And then I got the show. And now what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, now what do you got for me? You know? And it's like, it's insane. And it's, somewhat embarrassing to even say that out loud but it's the truth I mean it's like once you reach the milestone another one pops up and another one and another one and another one so I think that was one of my biggest lessons when I first um when I first started working on my career and figuring out what I wanted to do um just a little side story I I had this moment where um so my friend had told me that one of his friends was working for Oprah, and I won't tell you what he was doing for him because you'll know exactly who it is by sight, but one of his friends was working for Oprah and the president, okay? And he still didn't feel successful. And I remember thinking, like, how is that possible? How could you possibly be working with the two highest people in, like, the world, basically, <laughs> and, like, still not feel successful? And then I had my own mini moment of that where I 
wanted to get on the Huffington Post so badly, okay? This is before I knew how that all worked, okay? But for me, I was like, oh, my God, the Huffington Post, Ariana Huffington, my dad would be so proud. Like, all these things going through my head. Like, I can't wait to get on the Huffington Post. So I get on the Huffington Post finally one morning. Okay, hallelujah. Birds are chirping. Like the saw, the hymns are hymning. I don't even know. It's like the most magical <laughs> moment of my life, feels like. And then five minutes later, I look at a video that I had posted, a vlog that I had done, and it had like one like. And I all of a sudden plummeted. And it was like, Huffington Post, everyone loves me. Vlog didn't get enough stuff. No one loves me. It was like this, up and down, up and down, up and down. So I don't remember why I decided to tell you the story. <laughs> but but in, in just the thought of, you know, every, there's always another step. There's always another thing. There's always another place to go. So as you know, as the light maker, like having that anchor inside of you is everything. So yeah, that was my tangent. But thanks no. for <laughs> I no, I think that's a beautiful tangent because I think it's the truth and and it's something that I don't think you can echo enough that I feel like we all learn at a different place in our journey that we cannot tie our worthiness to anything outside of us. And the most e- like the easiest thing, at least in my experience, probably in your experience, to tie your worthiness to is outside success. And to say, okay, whether or not, you know, these many people like my Instagram post today or these many people respond to my blog posts validates or, or makes it any less of a, a thing, you know. And one of the things I think that really, when I first started doing speaking engagements, I love speaking. When I first started doing speaking engagements, I, like, would create my own events. I'd just be like, I'm just going to throw an event and I'll rent a yoga studio and we'll see who comes. And what a humbling experience that was <laughs> when, <laughs> when, you know, you think, you think, you know, that, oh, well, what, you know, what does it take to get 30 people in a room? Like, right? A lot. Oh, and, <laughs> painful. And I remember my first couple events, it was like, like I was, I was really lucky because I have some amazing girlfriends who really came out for me. But let's say it was like primarily my girlfriends, and there was like maybe like three or four people that were like there just because they wanted to hear me, and and I remember being like I would get so high off the actual doing of it, like I would love doing it, and then there like there would be that moment right before the event when I saw the RSVP list that I just feel like my heart sink a little bit. Because I'd be like, like I put so much love and so much thought into what I was going to say that I like don't understand why more people aren't like showing up for it. And then I watched, of course, as we were always divinely guided to the messages we need to hear at the time. I think a little bit after that, I stopped doing them because I just got so disheartened after. <laughs> and um, I was guided to this Marianne Williamson lecture. And, of course, Marianne's like the godmother in my <laughs> The godmother. Um, she and she was telling the story about you know how whether or not there's one person in the room or there's a thousand people in the room, mm-hmm. like it is your job to to give the goods. And she was saying how 
she had gone to like a performance one night at like a, a jazz club or something like that, right? And she was like, and it just happened to be, she's like, I paid full price for my ticket. And you know, my, the person I was with paid full price for their ticket. And we were really excited to be there. We were really looking forward to the show. And there was only like one or two other people in the room. Like it was a, a small crowd. But everybody that was there was really excited to you know, be there. And they gave, like, an, a tremendous performance. They performed like the place was packed to the hilt. And she was like, that was something that I think, you know, she needed, she reminded herself of way, way, way back in the day of, you know, whether it's one person or it's, like, a bajillion people, you're, like, you're just the vessel. You're just supposed to be sharing this and you need to show up fully for the two people that are at the speaking engagement, for the three people that like your post on Facebook, <laughs> you know? And totally. I, th- I think that's so important. Because I, I think so many people feel like, oh, I have to wait until I have, an, I have like this huge audience to start spreading what I feel like I'm called to talk about. Mm. And I think it's, you know, on one hand, if that's your, you know, know that, like, everybody feels that way. Yeah. You know, everybody goes through that. And it's like, at the end of the day, you need to like reconnect with why am I doing this? Why am I sharing this? Like, that's what's important. And if I transform one life, you know, if one, the one person that hears me talk, you know, is, you know, is moved in any way by it, then mission accomplished, you know? Totally. And like, and we're doing it for so many other reasons, like as well, you know, it's practice for us. Like, how humbling is it that, like, we get to practice? Like, we don't we don't just show up and know everything that we're going to do. Like, this, you know, podcast is better than the first podcast that you ever did or the first interview that you ever did because you've gotten to practice. You've gotten to show up. It's I find it to be a privilege, you know, and I don't think that anything is guaranteed to us, like not our health, not our finances, not, I mean, nothing is guaranteed. So every time we get to show up, I feel very deeply in my heart, like I bow to you, like, thank you for letting me show up. Even if there's only one person or like, you know, only one random man from India is like commenting on all of my stuff on Facebook, which happens sometimes. (laughs) I'm like, thank you, one random man on Facebook. Like, I love you too. Like, this is beautiful. You know what I mean? And I have to remember that like, that's not why I'm doing it. We are, we are addicted to validation. It is, it is the new addiction. I mean, it really, really, really is. And I have an addiction to it. Absolutely. I've worked on it so much and I feel like it's, you know, I'm more sober now than I've ever been, but it's, it's really, it's really a problem because exactly that story that I said about, you know, yay Huffington Post, like boo, not enough likes. It's like that happens in a second. And if the Huffington Post was something that I genuinely wanted and I genuinely was so honored and proud to be a part of it, why should it matter if 20 people cared or not? That's my experience. That's my conversation with God. That's my privilege. That has nothing to do with anyone else, you know? And we forget that when we're in this, like, race of, you know, and as much as I love Periscope, I feel like it's, like, the same thing. Like, we have to show up just because... I'm really excited to show up right now, you know, and that's a practice. I mean, I just did a Periscope, which you chimed Mm -hmm. in on and, you know, 
I hadn't done a scope in like a couple of weeks because I was like, I'm very excited to show up right now. I'm excited to talk to all of you. I'm excited to be here. So now if two people are here or there, or there's a hundred people, it doesn't really matter, you know? And that's, that's the practice. It's, it's a deep spiritual practice, even though it might seem like it's just on the surface. Absolutely. I agree. I think it is, it is a deep practice and also just kind of, when people ask me, um, you know, since we're on the topic of social media, when people ask me about social media and they're like, oh, you know, like, how did you cultivate your inner, your authentic voice or how did you grow your following and like all this, you know, whatever people ask funny questions. And, um, and I laugh because I'm like, I think the best thing I've ever done for myself is, is kind of keep my blinders on a lot. Like, I don't really look at what other people are doing. You know, like, I look at my friends, I interact with my friends, you know, on that level. I love, you know, I I pick the, you know, like, I love looking at inspirational quotes on Instagram. Like, that's something I personally love. But, you know, but other than that, like, I don't look for, like, oh, like, what is getting attention or whatnot. Because I found that that was the, the first, like, the first thing to get you get you distracted mm-hmm. and when I'm not looking at what anybody else is doing other than people I genuinely care about you know like you and some of my other girlfriends who obviously I'm gonna look at your posts but but in like the, the, I don't look in that way of like oh what are they doing like whatever you know it's it's coming from that place of what do I feel called to share mm-hmm. you know what do I feel called to do because I think if you don't you know, you'll run out of, of energy mm-hmm. any other way. When you're living in an inauthentic place or you're doing things for the wrong reasons, you know, yeah. like, by all means, like, go, good luck trying to grow your Instagram posts, like, using some, like, bu- like some strategy, you know, <laughs> some, like, business strategy. Have fun. That's going to be so draining. Because yeah. what would really just grow it, or anything, I'm just saying Instagram as an example, but whether yeah. it's your YouTube, your talk, your coaching practice, your pottery making business, whatever it is, you know, what's really going to work is just following what really lights you up. Yeah. Like, what gets you excited, you know? What are you excited to, like, put on, you know, you know brush your hair for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally brushed my hair earlier. Um, which I don't do every day. <laughs> I did it just for you. You have um, gorgeous hair. Don't you? Know, just... <laughs> for you. But I totally agree. You know, my, my therapist, um, cause I, I see a therapist who's helped me so much and she's more of like a spiritual teacher. So sometimes I feel weird calling her a therapist, but she said to me recently, um, that comparing yourself to others is an act of self hatred. Yep. And I was like, damn. <laughs> oh, damn. You know, like, like, you hear something and you're like, I have been actively hating myself for hours today or something like that, whatever it is. And it's so true. It's so true. She's like, it's one thing to be on Instagram, for example, because you and I are both obsessed with Instagram, uh, to be on Instagram and say, you know, something pops up in your feed and you see, you happen to see something. That's, that's one thing. She's like, but you're like, going to the person's Instagram and like searching through all their things. And then like, you know, going down the, the, what is the rabbit? I was going to say the bee hole, which I don't know. The rabbit hole. hole, uh, You know, of all of this compare and despair. And 
it's really, it's really not healthy on so many, so many, so many levels. So I, I think if, you know, if, if we get nothing across in this podcast today, I think that is, is the biggest thing. It's an act of self-hatred. It really is. Yeah. And I think to echo that, one of the things that I, two, two things I want to end that conversation and get your feedback on too, because one of the things I see that with a lot of my clients, um, they'll be, they're so adorable and honest with me about it. And they'll be like, I'm really feeling, you know, I really saw that so-and-so did this or, you know, you did this event and I love them for their honesty. Cause I think it's important. It's okay. Like it's not yeah. a big deal. Don't judge yourself for it. Don't get mad at yourself for it. It, you know, it, you're human, but you know, and then they'll, they'll say, you know, and I just like kept on getting, went into that space of why not me? Why not me? And the way I like to tell them to reframe it and what I, what worked for me, I did this years ago and I haven't really had a, it hasn't been a hang up anymore for a while now, was I just started looking at the universe as like my personal catalog. And when I see like everything that pops up on my Facebook feed, anything that pops up on my Instagram, when I see like so-and-so like you know, just published a book, you know, I'm like, great, I choose that. Oh, I saw, you know, so-and-so is like speaking at this festival I want to speak at. Oh, okay, I'll take one of those universe, you know, and, and, but it's in a really loving way. Oh, that's so, I just want to hug you. <laughs> that's so sweet. And I couldn't agree more. I'm going to do that now. I'm going to do that. Yeah, because I, the, me. I know I'm <laughs> helping your readers and your viewers or listeners rather. It's so a me in the process. So. It's a mutual thing yeah. because I think part of it is also realizing I'm. I really firmly believe that. And for me, I started doing this with uh, body image because I really. Mm. I really struggled. For me, I had more compare and despair around body image than I have had around anything else in my life um, when I was younger because that was really, I went through a really hard time with that. And and that was the biggest shift that I had for, you know, when I was kind of having like disordered thoughts um, where I would look at women and I would just kind of just be like, oh what do I have to do to look like that? And I would just feel so much envy for, for them, you know, for how small they were or how pretty they were or whatever it was. And I started realizing that, and this was just when I kind of had my first awakening around it all, I started realizing that all these women were being sent to me as an example of what was possible. Mm. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, instead of, like, you know, in my head, like, going into that, fear place when I see that you know beautiful woman like bounce into the coffee shop in the morning wearing like for full like yoga thing and like a you know totally a tank top yeah you know instead of going to that place of like oh look at you you know like <laughs> being like I choose that like I choose that I thank you for showing me that that's a possibility and you know and that helped me like whew. Um, tremendously with the body image situation. I think it's really applicable to anything in your life, whether you're someone that's, you know, we all have, I think, our different soft spots, whether it's like you're looking at happy couples or you're looking at babies or you're looking at books or, or TED Talks or whatever. Uh, I love that. It's such an empowering thing, and it's also um, such a loving thing to send to the, the person, too, you yeah. know, versus... And it's not even that, like, when you get compare and despair, like, it's not even that you're negatively wishing anything on that person but it's just the energy you know so I think that's beautiful yeah, yeah. 
Awesome. We and I, I want to, <laughs> I want to move on to talk a little bit more about self love. Yeah. And actually, a funny uh, connection there is because one of the other things I've also been um, practicing, I practice, I've been practicing with myself, but I also started, you know, teaching some of my clients is in situations like that, right, where we're comparing and despairing or whatever situation where we feel like we've like detoured, um, to love the one that detours. To, to actually look at yourself, and I've found that this has been, like, such a beautiful practice. It's, like, a silly spiritual practice in the way because, like, I feel like you're going to love this. Because we're both, like, just hilarious people. Uh, <laughs> where, like, I'll look at myself, and I'm trying to think of a good example that happened recently. But, oh, okay, okay. So, this happened, like, a couple weeks ago where... I hung out with someone, and then, like, I didn't really, like, afterwards, I felt like, the, like the, there wasn't a lot of communication of, mm-hmm. like, a, you know, just, like, a, I had a great time or whatever, you know. So, like, I went into, like, a little, my, like, little crazy fear mode, and I was like, oh, like, what if I disappointed them? Like, what if they didn't think, like, they thought it was weird or, you know, like, oh, this, like, crazy stuff. And then I was like, wait, wait, wait. And I'm like... I love the girl that actually thinks that, like, you know, she, like, disappointed someone. Like, you're so cute. I cannot believe you. You're so funny. Like, I love you. You're silly. You know? <laughs> and <laughs> but, but I think so many times when we, like, kind of, like, give ourselves that self-love bomb of being, like, I'm going to love you even when you're being crazy. Yeah. You know, that it kind of, like, in that instant when I was able to just be like, I love you, you're ridiculous right now, <laughs> you know, it, it kind of just, like, transmuted it, you know? Absolutely. So I want to hear some of your self-love rituals, because I know that you um, have a ton, and I know you really, like, you harness them back from the days when you were really healing, but I know, you know, you have even more. So I want to hear about what are your, some of the self-rituals in your daily life that you feel are really grounding you yeah well I think um you know a simple thing that I do every day is I try to incorporate music in everything that I do kind of so we've always talked about this that's why you're smiling because <laughs> <laughs> we both have the obsession with the song I am light and I am obsessed with that song and every so often actually this morning was a great example I woke up on the wrong side of the bed this morning I woke up on you know I was in another country I don't know where I was but I was just like my dog Bella just she woke me up in the middle of the night and she threw up and it was like <laughs> it was like all this stuff happened you know before 6 a.m <laughs> and I was like and then I had to go see my personal trainer at 8 30 in the morning so I was like all right, all right, God. <laughs> I know that I have the tools inside of me to feel like really happy right now and everything, but I want to kill someone and I feel like I don't know how to stop feeling that way. So, first of all, I moved my body, which was honestly, if you would ask me this even a month or two ago, it would not have been on my self love ritual list because I, with all my health stuff, it's been a challenge for me to figure out how do I move my body in a way that doesn't feel forceful, that feels loving, but that's also somewhat results oriented, right? So for me, it's been, I hired a personal trainer who is a doula and a yoga teacher and a boxing champion, and she's like freaking amazing. So that's one thing. Um, And then going back to music, I came home from that training session and I put on I Am Light and I heard your voice in my head, and I, and I was like, I meditate to the song or just, like, listen to it and, like, sit here? And then I heard Sandra's voice being like, just 
just meditate to it. What's the big deal? Like, <laughs> relax, meditate. I was like, fine. Like, literally, that's what happened in my head. So I, I replayed the song and closed my eyes and relaxed into it. And it's only like five or six minute song, so it's not that long. Um, and then I journaled because I felt like there were so many things coming up and I felt like I've been very heady lately and just in my head. And so I was like, you know what? I think I don't want to just say this stuff out loud. I want to really get it out. So I journaled. So those are definitely some self-love things that I try to do often. And, um, I try to not just do them when I'm in crisis, but to actually like create a habit of them. Mm -hmm. She and I have talked about before too, Mm -hmm. but I think the biggest self-love, um, you know, practice and ritual that I have in my life is beauty. It's, it's in everything that I do. I mean, my apartment's kind of a mess right now. Otherwise I would show you, (laughs) otherwise I would show you my home, but you know, just even in small things like the pillows that you have on your bed or the things that are around you, you know, I try to make sure that I have things that light me up, that make me feel like really bright and fun. And like, I'm going to actually sitting on this one pillow. I'll show you. So like, you know, I know the podcast listeners can't see this, but I'm holding up a bright, uh, bedazzled (laughs) (laughs) yellow pillow and things like that, you know, putting things around my home that, I look at and I'm just like, oh, that's beautiful. Like, that's it. You know, to me, that connects me back to God and my own beauty in an instant, even with something as, you know, something like an object, like a pillow. So that's one of the things. And then actual beauty products and like my skincare routine. My skincare routine is kind of crazy amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I don't, I'm I'm very much like you. I don't love wearing a lot of makeup. I, you know, wear a little bit because we're on so much that like it's nice to kind of wear a little. But, um, you know, if I could choose, I probably would never wear any because I feel like, we're beautiful naturally. And my mom like didn't even wear makeup until she was in her late thirties. So it's just a part of my culture, but my skincare routine. I mean, I spend such intentional time with my face all the time. (laughs) I'm like squeezing my face because I love it so much. Like I love my little face. (laughs) It's just like, and not from like a, Oh, I'm beautiful perspective, but just like from a, like, this is my face. Like I want to treat it so well and be so loving and so kind to it. And I have fun with it. You know, I happen to be in the beauty industry. So I get sent quite a few products all the time that I get to try, which is really fun. But like, even, you know, taking a monthly trip to Sephora or to your local pharmacy and just like trying to find the most natural products that you possibly can so that what you're putting on your skin, you know, is helping you and, and um, you know, relieving you of things, not creating more harm. Um, and just playing with it and being like, oh, I'm going to try this eye cream tonight. And like, let me see after doing it for a week, what happens? And you know, just focusing on beauty, focusing on self-care as an access point to self-love. That's that's really what I'm all about. I love that because, you know, what just occurred to me as you were talking about it is that I feel like we all have our really unique access points where I can see how much gratitude and love you have for your skin and your face. And I, and that comes from a really genuine place of, of actually knowing what it's like to to have your skin not oh, yeah. working properly, you know, to, mm-hmm. to have that kind of 
mishap because for me, I think, you know, where I focus a lot more on, on food and what I'm fueling my body and how I'm taking care of my body because I know what it's like when, when I wasn't treating my body well and when my body fell apart as a result of it. And, and that was kind of my access point for self-love too, was yeah. realizing like I have such tremendous gratitude to have a working body you know, to have a healthy body. Um, and, and I think that's just, it's like touches on a great point because it's like whatever your path is, I think, you know, it, it's great to just own it. You know, whatever that is, where where is that connection point? What comes up for you when you hear okay. us talking about these two things and whatever that is to really love it fiercely you know, find the way to support it. But one thing I do definitely uh, get down with you on for sure <laughs> is is on the self-care. And for me, I think it's less... I'm only recently getting more into um, like lotions and body butters and all that fun stuff. But, but one thing that's been like a huge part of my routine, as I think it has been for yours too, is really like bath time. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love bath time. I mean, you can go nuts in that bath. (laughs) All the stuff, like, in the candles and the oils and, you know, pre-bath and post-bath and during the bath. I mean, there's all – you could just spend hours just bathing. It's just (laughs) – And we do. (laughs) I mean, like, the dry brushing beforehand and then getting in the tub with the – you know, all kinds. Oh, God, you just took me straight to the bath of my mind. <laughs> it's an amazing time. I actually also, one of the other things that I'm obsessed with are essential oils. I uh. find that essential oils is, you know, I put on, before before I periscoped, I put on this essential oil, and I was like, no one can smell this. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I have this, this uh, my friend Amy Raup has this love uh, blend for essential oils, and it's so wonderful, and I just feel like, you know, sometimes it's that simple. Sometimes I'm like everyone else, like that we're rushing. I don't have as much time as I want or whatever, but I'll grab one of my essential oils that just makes me feel beautiful. It just connects me to beauty and I'll like roll it on and be like in the cab, <laughs> rolling it all over me. And it's, it's really that simple. It's like, um, you know, it's the intention, which you and I talk about for sure. You talk about it with food so beautifully, but like for me, it's just the intention of, like, how can I connect more to beauty today, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Having those little – I'm the same way. I, I started using essential oils a lot more this year, and I do think they're – you know, I, I like to look at it all as, like, a technology. You know, yeah. it's kind of all the technology to bring us home. And yeah. so whatever those little things are for you – Like, you know, I know both of us are big journalers. We love, like, not only journaling, but having, like, a journal that's really beautiful, that we feel is really special. Um, And having that, you know, especially, you know, I travel a ton. And when I travel, that's, like, I literally have my little kit that brings me back home. And it's, like, I never travel anywhere without lavender Epsom salts. (laughs) I know I never go anywhere with at least five essential oils. (laughs) And I have all my crystals, and I have my journal, and sometimes I even bring, like, little things for, like, my meditation, like, nook that I create in hotel rooms, and, but it's, like, but it's, like, these are, like, our tools, and it's, like, finding whatever your toolbox is, you know, to, to really bring you back home, and baths, I literally cannot stress how important.
important baths are because <laughs> baths are, we were talking about this, we'll get on this in a second because we were really talking about, you know, when, when you are, you know, whether it's the fact that you're like a full-time, you know, mom or you're a full-time teacher or whatever job you have or you're a life coach or whatever your path is, when you're kind of like in the the swing of things, you know, there are still times that come, a lot of times that come up for us as, you know, on this spiritual path where mm-hmm. we're really learning new things and we're, you know, really integrating all the things we're learning. And for me, I know that um, the bathtub is my favorite place to do that when (laughs) you know it's so you know whenever you're kind of in a place and it can feel really heavy you -hmm. know and it can be a really good place you know at the core of it because you're learning so much you're cracking open so much but I think you know the bath is a great place um (laughs) he's laughing at me (laughs) this is an advertisement for bubble baths um (laughs) but neither of us sell any of that but (laughs) we should get into like the bathtub we should just have like a bathtub spa I feel like they have to have those somewhere like where you just get a bath oh my god I mean New York City needs one of those dude Cass I'm telling you you and I have business plans all the time every time we talk like, we should do this and take over the world. <laughs> watch out, guys. Watch out. All <laughs> the plans will happen. Eventually. <laughs> like, 20 the, years later. The, 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 the Bella Light bubble bath spa. <laughs> <laughs> Don't really. Don't really. I'm going to a city near you. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> on that, um, on that, we already knew that we were going to be laughing through this whole yeah. interview. Um, I hope you're having as much fun as we are during it, and I hope you're really um, getting some good nuggets. But one of the things I do want to talk about um, is 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 running the... So one of the things that I personally, as a friend, like to call um, Nitika about is organization. <laughs> and um, I think it's kind of like her hidden secret superpower. Uh, <laughs> I mean, some friends, some really close friends do know that I'm very good at organizing, but it's not, like, out there on the street. It's not, you know, you might not know, but I do think it's, I'm totally outing her right now, because, (laughs) because I think, you know, so much of what I talk about is about designing this life that that lights you up, designing this lifestyle, and I think that's something that when we get, when you're on your path, and I know a lot of people listening are either, you know, starting to create their own, their own niche, starting to like venture out into that world, or perhaps just curious about consciously designing their lifestyle in a way that like feels really good to them. And, um, that's something that I think the organization thing really feeds into. Um, but, but I actually just, uh, you have a video called how to be a happy entrepreneur. Yes. And I think this that's actually a perfect, um, kind of a perfect little intro to being conscious and consciously creating the environment you're working in. So yeah. do you want to take us through, like, what are some of the essential things that you realized once you were, um, whether you're on this path, being, coming like a life coach or, or, or what whatnot, an entrepreneur, or you're just working at, you know, a job but want to consciously create a lifestyle that really lights you up. What do you think are your, like, top, like, three things to think about? Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind when talking about this is um, 
people allow themselves to be abused by their inbox. And it's really kind of silly, in my opinion. I'm not diminishing that it's like a real thing, but I am just trying to shed light on the fact that like it's a choice. So there have been many times in my life where I felt abused by my inbox. And, you know, I'm talking about my email inbox specifically. And, um, yeah, and I was like, oh, my God, there's so many emails. There's so many things. And, like, I have to answer everything. And I have to, have to, have to, all this stuff. And I, you know, on top of being organized, I'm also, like, hyper about communication. So um, that's something I've had to just, like, allow myself to be okay with the fact that I'm not going to be able to respond to everything right as soon as it gets into my inbox. But the first thing that I did to take control of my inbox and not be overwhelmed by it was to create a system. And my system looks like I have my inbox and then I have I have a bunch of folders for all the different categories. But the biggest and most important folder that I have is a reply needed folder. So I go through my inbox and I close out sort, delete, whatever it is, all the things that I don't have to respond to. That's the first step. And then the second step is I click on every single email that I have that needs a response and I put it in my reply needed folder. And then every day I go into that reply needed folder and that's where all of my work is. And it's not overwhelming to be sitting in my inbox with like the thousands of other emails that are open, not open, this, that, and the other thing. It makes such a huge difference. And I feel like I can also star some things. Like if I feel like, okay, I have to get to these today. Like the starred ones are the ones that I have to get to today. Everything else can wait. I read over everything really quickly and kind of like assess the situation in my folder that way. I don't know. It's just made a huge difference. And I feel like I have control of my inbox. My inbox is not managing me. You know what I mean? I love that. And so my question with that is, so do then you, so let's say throughout the day, I'm assuming that's when you start, like as you see them come in, you just kind of throw them to whatever folder they belong or put them in the reply needed. And then do you have a dedicated time in which you answer emails every day or is it, you know, whenever you have time? It's really whenever I have time, but I have to say, like, I spend a lot less time on my computer than I used to. Um, When I was consistently at my computer all the time, I would usually do emails throughout the day in, like, spurts. So I would, like, wake up, and the first thing that I would do would probably be to answer the most pressing things. It would probably take me, like, 30 minutes to an hour to answer, like, the most pressing emails. And then I would, like, let them pile up and sort them throughout the day. And then at night again, I would, like, go through them. Because, you know, I, I'm kind of a homebody. If I don't have to be on stage or speaking at something, I, like, would rather stay home. <laughs> so I'm just, like, sitting at my, my computer and watching TV and relaxing. And it's, like, not stressful for me. Some people might need to, you know, schedule it differently. They might only need to do the morning. It's really up to you. It doesn't stress me out because I know what's happening. And I think that's the thing that stresses people out the most is it just looks like a ton of stuff and you're, that's what's overwhelming. But when I know what's happening, then I'm like, okay, like I can handle this. Like this I'll do in the morning, that'll do in the evening. It's no big deal. This does not need to be answered in 24 hours. That's another thing is just like putting, getting yourself off the hook. Like not everything needs to be answered right away. And then you can save time for the things that do. I love it. Yeah, so that's one thing. And then I would think the I I would say the other thing, to be honest with you, to be a happy entrepreneur and like really 
you know, feel like you're getting something out of your work is, is community. I mean, it's such a, it feels like such a generic answer, but it's so the truth. You know, when I was first starting my business, I would have a lot of work dates with my friends. I never even knew that that was like a thing. But I love work dates. Uh, so we should do more work dates. Like, let's do one. Yeah, we should totally do one. Okay, like next week. Um, so, but we, because like it just, I, I somehow, I'm the kind of person where I focus better when someone is there and like it encourages me to focus. When I'm in my apartment by myself, I'm hanging out with my dog. I'm watching Ellen. I'm like, doing all kinds of things. I'm talking to my mom. I'm doing all kinds of things. You know what I mean? Like, I'm all over the place. But if, if you were sitting in front of me and you were like, okay, I'm going to work for the next 35 minutes or 40 minutes or whatever, and I'm going to work on these two projects, and I say, okay, well, I'm going to have to do something now, too. I can't just sit here, you know, doing nothing. So then it like it inspires me and kind of charges me to work. And so community is a huge thing for work dates. But then also, I mean, you and I have talked about this the whole podcast. Like we riff off of each other. We get inspired by each other. We, you know, I can look at what you're doing and be like, I'll have some of that universe. I'll have some of that universe. You know, and so it's really great. And if you surround yourself with a community that is nurturing and positive and a reflection of, you know, the best parts of you, then it'll take you like so far. So, so, so far. I so I would say those are my, my top two tips. I love that. And I totally echo both of them. Um, the inbox one is something that I definitely struggled with for, <laughs> for a bit. Um, and then the work dates I live, live by. I love work dates. It's so, I'm the same way. But I also, I wanted, I, something that really touched me that, you know, when I was, like, uh, checking out your blog just to see if there was anything that I felt, like, really called to ask you, was you you wrote about not really finding your tribe until, like, 27. Uh-huh. You know? And I think that's someone, something that so many people can relate to. I know, for me, that's something that's constantly ongoing. Like, my friendships, as I've been, like, on this path, I've been, like being able to connect with more people that, you know, do inspire me, that do light me up, that I do feel really supported, that I do feel like I can call when, you know, I need that little nudge. Um, but I think a lot of people, and I definitely, I went through this phase too, when they're kind of coming new to this, they, they don't even know where to begin. Like, they have, they probably have some friends from, you know, that, that maybe they, that don't relate to them as much anymore. Mm-hmm. And, um... And it can seem really intimidating to try to find a tribe. Do you have any, like, how, how did you kind of connect to the women that you're friends with right now? And do you have any tips for someone that might be thinking, I really want to try, but I don't really know where to find them? Yeah, I mean, I, I started finding my tribe when I, you know, that time when I was talking about working with Gabby. Those eight girls that were in the living room with us are still my best friends. And so that was a huge seed of creating my tribe. And then from there, my work led me to so many beautiful people, so many conversations that led to like real friendships like you and I. So a couple of things. One thing is just know that everyone feels as insecure as you do probably. Okay. So like, no, even if you go to a Gabby Bernstein lecture or a Cassandra Bodzak lecture, Yeah. You see that people are already friends, it seems like. 
I know for a fact that the people that looked like they didn't have friends at those things, or if somebody had come up to me, I would be the first person to be like, do you know anybody here? (laughs) And I'm like, take them around and be like, uh, you know, Marcy is new. She just moved to New York or whatever. Like she doesn't have any friends. Like, let's be her friend. Like, let's take her out. Let's do something. So go to places, first of all, that are like-minded, like you, like doing the things that you love, like something spiritual, yoga, meditation, you know, some sort of course. That's the first thing is that look for your friends in places that are, you know, conversations that are nurturing to you. And then don't be afraid to out yourself as somebody who's looking for friends, because honestly, we have all been there. And if anybody is telling you that they haven't, they're lying. Okay. Because we've all been there. So as soon as you see that, and especially if it's in a nurturing, like-minded room, they're going to want to take you in. I can't guarantee that the first person you say that to is going to become your new best friend, but you have to be willing to keep showing up, keep having the conversation. And I also think having, I think clarity is key to everything in life. And so I think having some clarity around the kinds of friends that you want, this might sound silly, but like, why do you want friends? Like, do you want friends to try new things with? Do you want friends because, you know, you're nervous about something and you want someone to hold your hand? Like, what are the reasons why you want friends? The more you visualize, you know, the things you're going to do with them, why you're going to be able to connect with them, all the fun that you're going to have, all that kind of stuff. I think that makes a huge, huge difference. So that's where I would tell people to start. And I would out yourself as somebody who is looking for friends. I love that. I think that's so true. And I feel like that's something that I definitely did and it, like, felt really scary to do at first. Where, like, I would just go up to people and be like, yeah, you know, I just kind of got thrown into this whole thing. And, like, now I don't know anybody in this world. And, you know. And then I think also, too, like, when you reach out to people or... You know, it's so funny because it's like friend dating. And I think it's just trusting too, knowing that if you reach out to someone and you don't get like a favorable response back or you don't get, you know, it doesn't mean like it's not personal, you know, you're just, you know, right now you're not aligned. There are plenty of people that I have had that reached out at different points where because of my schedule or just because of like logistics, I wasn't able to really hang out with them or, or see them at that point. And then down later down the line, we end up like at an event together. We ended up doing something together. And then all of a sudden we were able to have that connection. So that happened with us. I feel like, like we didn't, we knew each other, but we didn't really like hang out or whatever for a while because we were both busy. And then when we saw each other at that, that one event, that agent of change book launch something I forget what it oh, was. Oh yeah! But then we like took a selfie together. And it was, like, <laughs> so fun, and then I was like, "Oh my god, this is so much fun! Let's like hang out." And then it just like naturally happened. And I think that's like another thing to remember is I, I mean, eager beaver times a million. Let me tell you, I tried way too hard to be friends with people when I was going through the tar- the hardest times of like trying to find friends. And I think, you know, getting back to your spiritual practice of just knowing that you will be guided to the people that are meant to be in your life and that you are valuable, you know, and holding that in your heart and knowing like, I am valuable. I bring something to the table. Like, yes, I can't wait to be friends with this person or with whoever I come across, but I also can't wait for them to get to know me. And, like, standing in that and being strong in that and knowing that, like, you have just as much to offer even though 
you might be somebody who's looking for friends. It's kind of like, you know, when you're going for a job interview or anything like that, you talk about friend dating. It's like, you know, yes, you need the job, but are you going to let them abuse you or let them take advantage of you or let them just walk all over you? Like, no, like you're, you know, interviewing for the job because you have something to offer and you have something, you know, to bring to the table. So I think that's a huge thing too. I, I feel like I made that mistake like a lot where I was just so over eager and just like wanted to be friends with people when I was younger. And it's not the best tactic. So. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's funny. Cause I remember at that event, I went to that event by myself. Yeah. Um, and I tend to do that. I tend to go to a lot of events alone and I do that on purpose. Most of the time, uh, now it's, it kind of works out because I was, usually know people there anyway so it doesn't really matter that I came by myself but I would go to event, events alone because I just knew myself and I knew that if I came with one close girlfriend I would talk to her the whole night and I would never put myself out there and that agent of change event actually quite hilariously enough I remember before you got there and uh you were there with Michelle and a couple other girls that you know I was friendly with but wasn't like like super close with and I had been by myself for a bit and was just, like, walking around and trying to, you know, be friendly. And it was just so nice when, you know, you guys came and we were all able to talk. And I was like, yay, like, this is so good. Like, and, and I think that's something I also recommend, too. And I hope I, I say that because I think when a lot of people know me or a lot of people, like, if you follow me on Instagram or you've seen my videos or whatever, you probably wouldn't guess that I would be someone that would be, like, at an event alone. Like, and and this was not even that long ago yeah. feeling like super oh. awkward and just yeah. being like I hope like there's someone here um to talk to and to realize that most of us are that way yeah. you know that way I am so awkward like it's I'm awkward but it's okay it's like I just you know, I've learned to own that I'm awkward, and I just am like, I'm so socially awkward, like, what? Like, I can't even, I don't even know. I'm, the only time, I always say this, the only time I'm not awkward is when I'm in front of the camera. Yeah. The only time I'm not awkward. So, yeah, it's just like, otherwise, see me on the street, I'm acting weird, just, <laughs> I'm awkward. <laughs> No, it has nothing to do with you. I'm just awkward. Yeah. I, I love that. That's probably why we get along so well. Because <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm like, yeah, put me on camera. I'm fine. But I always had that too. And that's why I always tell people, sometimes people will write on my Instagram and they'll be like, oh, I saw you at like the yoga studio or I saw you at this place and I didn't say hi. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like you can totally <laughs> say hi to me. I'm just like awkward, you know? <laughs> like I'm never like, I'm never in a place where I'm like not wanting to say hi or, you know, whatnot. Yeah. Um, but sometimes no. like, <laughs> I was going to say like, it's all, I think you like this too, where we're social introverts. This is like a term that I learned. So like, I'm actually more of an introvert, which just means that I get my fuel from being alone, which you do too. Yeah. You know, whereas extroverts get their fuel from being around people, but we're also social. So like my, my MO, which people don't really believe because I'm, when they see us, you know, we're like, ah, and we're all out and whatever. My MO is really to be like, 
don't talk to me. <laughs> I want to be alone. I want to be within. I want to connect to God. I want to do all this stuff. But I'm happy. Like, if someone talks to me, I'm like, oh, hi. Like, that's so great. I just, like, wouldn't think to do it on my own. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. We're awkward. Come talk to us. <laughs> Don't be scared. It has nothing to do with you. We're just awesome. Oh, my God. I love it. This is so fun. <laughs> All right. We're closing up. But before before yeah. we close, there's a few questions I still have that I want to touch on. Because sure. we didn't fully go on. Um, oh, I probably didn't answer something. I want, no, 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 you did. You're really helpful. But I think we go even a little bit deeper because I want to call attention to something that you gave me a little love nudge on. Um, where, you know, because I think so much of, because the final question that I'm going to ask you is, what does your most expansive life look like? Um, but, you know, also thinking about that most expansive life, and that's something that I've been doing a lot. Um, is I think organization plays a big part in it. And for my portion of that, what I really, what's really core, fundamental to me to support that has been my food, my meditation, my self-care. That really helps me live my most expansive life, say yes to all the opportunities I want to. But I actually reached a point a couple weeks ago where there was so much on my plate that I was all really excited for that I really knew that, like, in my heart, like, my my soul was being called to say yes to all this and rise to the occasion. So I text Nitika. I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, I need... Like, I need some help getting organized with this because I know like, she's like a maven when it comes to having her business organized. Yeah. And and I see just just through, like, you know, our friendship, the, the ways the systems give you so much freedom. And yeah. I, like, see freedom is this, like, beautiful yeah. word. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to move my computer so that my face is not in that glare so sorry I keep moving the camera oh no yes so freedom so freedom and so one of the things you told me that I have um diligently been practicing and it has really made a tremendous difference was scheduling and um so so if you want to elaborate on that or any other perhaps things that you feel like have been able to give you a little bit more freedom in your business through creating those systems that support you yeah, I mean, I think the biggest, I forget everything I told you, so I don't know if I'm going to remember because it's just such a part of me, you know, but um, but I think the biggest thing is, you know, that we talked about that day for sure is the scheduling is where the freedom comes from because then I can also schedule my fun. And I feel that, you know, a day is not complete if I haven't hit all of the different areas of my life. So I don't want a day that's just work and I don't want a day, I mean, sometimes I want a day that's just play, but you know, for the most part on the work days, I don't want a day that's just work. I want a day that has a little movement, that has some health in there, that has some friendship in there, that has all the things. So in order to do that and to say that I'm actually getting work done and I'm not just playing all the time. I have to figure out, like, making a list is probably the first thing that I start with. I make a list of the things that are really important to me, and then I figure out what are the things that actually need to get done right now, Um, and I think we maybe talked about that a little bit. So if I've got, you know, a book, a podcast, a talk show, uh, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm writing an article for something, I'm doing 10 things, let's say. 
how can I do all these 10 things when I have just as many hours in the day as the other person does? And I think figuring out the level of importance for each thing. So maybe the article does is not due for another two weeks, but it's in my head. So it feels like pressure. So getting that out of your head and onto a piece of paper, like, okay, this article for X magazine does not have to be done for another two weeks. I'm putting it on the calendar for, you know, seven days from now. And that's when I'm doing it. And that's it off my list. Um, this podcast that I'm doing is this actually needs to be done by a certain time. I'm going to focus on how many hours a day can I put towards this podcast. I'm going to put that in my calendar. But I'm also going to schedule things like meals. I'm also going to schedule my playtime with my friends. I'm also going to schedule, you know, just rest because I like to rest. <laughs> I'm like, I think if I write a book, it'll be about resting. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> a professional rester. Resting in um, bubble bath. Yeah, a bubble bath. I mean, listen, between my resting book and your and our bubble bath center, it's just we're just gonna be it's gonna be amazing. Um, but yeah, so I think things like that that gives me freedom. And I, the other thing that I haven't really talked about today is, um, you know, I finally hired some people to help me and that I will say it took me like five years to be able to feel like I could hire people to help me. So I don't want someone who's at year one to listen to this and be like, oh, well, I can never do that. So, you know, that's not about me and I can't relate because I couldn't at year one either. Um, but I can at year five. And so you know, it's just information to know for when, when it's time. And I think, you know, I hired an editor who helps me with my blog content and I hired a personal assistant who helps me with everything else. And so figuring out like how to delegate, figuring out how to get support, how to get help. I just feel like all those things, sometimes like I talk to my friends about delegating their email and they're like, oh, but it's so much work to like send the email to the person that's like going to do the you know, response for you or whatever. But if you create systems around everything, it just becomes, you know, like second nature. Like sometimes when I actually have an email that I have to respond to, I'm like, oh, I haven't been in my inbox for like five days because I don't even have to think about it. So I don't know if that's helpful, but I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, that's no, I think you did. I think that was really helpful. And I think I love the scheduling and that's something that that's what, you know, you told me that night where you kind of like, you've got to schedule it. If you want to get it all done, you've just got to schedule it out so that, and I think it's not only getting it done, it's that peace of mind that you were talking about. It's knowing that, you know, if I actually have a lot of time on my calendar and treat it the same way as I would an interview, the same way as I would a client meeting, that is a legitimate date. And I'm putting that there. So now it is out of my headspace. And I can just focus. And when you schedule all those things you need to accomplish out, then like a, a task, like let's say someone who's starting a website, you know, it can seem like super overwhelming. There's so many different pieces of that. So write out all the different pieces, write out the buying of the URL, the the setting up of your homepage, the writing out of your about me, really list out all the small little pieces and schedule them in yeah. so that you know the website in totality will be done in a month or whatnot. But you can just focus on what's on today's plate. Exactly. Um, and I think that's so important. And you know what? Even if, you know, same thing here. I only started um, getting help or, you know, having a team this year. Yeah. And, um, and that was many, many years in the making. But here's the thing. Even before then, I think one of the smartest things 
I will pat myself on the back for is knowing what you don't know and knowing what it would take you too much time to figure out <laughs> and and investing in that, you know? Like, I have an amazing uh, web designer. Um, I'm not savvy at that. Never have been. I tried, you know, for a while. Now, back when I started my website, this is, like, showing how long ago that was, Squarespace didn't exist. Mm-hmm. All these, like, cool things right now, you can make these beautiful websites without having to code all this stuff wasn't a thing. It wasn't even a possibility. And, um, and to be honest, for the first few years, I had the most ghetto-looking website. And But eventually, once I started like taking it a little bit more seriously, I knew that that was one thing that I just saved up my, you know, saved up and invested in. Um, and you can, even in that, you know, if you need help with stuff like that, there's lots of places like Elance or different forums you can go to look at either college kids that want to do something for an affordable rate. You know, you don't have to, like drain your savings account to get some assistance to get it going but definitely know those areas because then you can bust through so many blocks that way yeah I mean I think I heard this quote recently I mean it's not really like so much a quote but it's just like focus on your strengths and don't focus on your weaknesses like stop trying to make your weaknesses your strengths basically and like when I heard that I was just like oh yeah why do I keep trying to like figure out email marketing and like figure out, you know, SEO or figure out all this stuff. I'm like, that is not my strength. My strength is being in front of the camera, creating ideas, having connections with people. Like those are things that I love that are totally going to bring my business to the next level. But I don't have to sit there and be like exhausted at the thought of them, you know? So I think that's a, that's a huge thing. And organizing those things is a big deal. Mm Mm-hmm. So to wrap it up, Nanika, tell us what is your most expansive life look like? Uh, My most expansive life honestly looks very similar to the life that I have now. It's really, I feel very blessed to say that, but it's true. Um, It's a life where I am conscious about my moves. So whether I'm deciding to work out or I'm deciding to lay on the couch, I I'm choosing it from a full place and not, um, you know, kind of absentmindedly moving through my life, which I think a lot of us do. Um, and I've done for, for many years. Um, it's a life where I am loving myself through food and through beauty and through my relationships. And that's a huge thing. Um, it's a life where I'm doing what I love to do. I feel so excited that I get to like wake up and, you know, jump on Periscope if I want and talk to somebody about TV stuff or, or, you know, have a show or be on QVC or have friends like you that are so amazing. And, you know, it's just awesome that I get to do it. It's just such a privilege and it's such a pleasure. And, um, you know, it takes some time to get there, but it's like worth every single step that we take. And, uh, yeah. And so I really think that that's what my most expansive life looks like. It's a lot like it is today. I really think so. I love that. I love that. So beautiful. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, and for those of you that want to find out more about Nitika, you can go to her website, nitikashopra.com. And I will put all the links below so that you don't have to try to spell that out. Um, (laughs) Everything will be below. You'll you'll find links on everything, whether you're watching this on YouTube, listening to the podcast, or you're on my website, so that you can stay in touch. 
and I hope you have an amazing, um, an amazing day. And thank you so much for tuning in to the Lightmaker podcast. I look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye guys.